how have kids coming into your life affected your creativity would you say wow that's interesting i would say i'm a i'm a more confident creator i think when i first started even when i was with routine baseball my previous company and like things were going extremely well i had this sort of imposter syndrome where it's like i'm coming out of green bay wisconsin and i'm looking at all these other designers and they're in la they're in minneapolis chicago i'm like why am i doing well like i i always had that question once i had kids i don't know it's like my my place in this world i guess was kind of like solidified and like my purpose kind of was like hammered down i was just more confident um and that trickled down into my my designs it trickled into my my creative mindset a lot more emotional too which, whatever <laughs> <laughs> It's like I, I never was a crier, and then the second I heard my daughter cry at the hospital, I was just like, Ugh. and now everything trips me off. There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Hey, y'all. My name is Drew Westfall, and thanks for tuning in to another session of Group Golf Therapy. Due to a scheduling conflict, Brad was not able to join us for the recording. Today's guest, we have Tony Napton, aka the Merch Lord. While Tony might be a behind the scenes, if you know you know character, he has a massive effect on design in the golf fashion world. If you've ever frothed over a brand new piece of RGC merch, Tony was the mastermind behind the concepting, the mood board, and the design. Speaking of merch, if you haven't checked out Uncommon Golf, what are you waiting for? Brad, Connor, and I have all been gaming the Uncommon 55 or 33s, and we can honestly say that a little piece of our soul dies when we lose a ball in the water hazard. Good thing if you use our discount code GGT at checkout, you'll receive free shipping on your first order. With that in mind, hit them straight and mind your golf. It's not super often that we get to do nighttime therapy sessions. I love it. And for you two, it's uh, super late. Yeah. Kids are asleep. So this is perfect timing. So are you at your house, Tony, or are you at the the Merch Kingdom? Merch Kingdom. I like that. Um, we're at like the, I'm at the like the satellite office. So the, the real office is still being done. I think we're a couple of weeks out from being in there. So we have like this little satellite office down the street. Basically, it's like a thousand square feet. Part of it's like warehouse for like extra product and stuff like that. And then we have like this little, I don't know, it's like a hundred square feet of office space for just us designers. So it's our cool little creative hub. We got a we got a little kitchen with a fridge, stocked of course, and then golden tea. So is the golden tea operational? Oh yeah, it's very operational. I heard you say you described liking working at night. Is that still the case? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, during the day, it's you feel obligated to answer Slack messages or emails or or what have you. You know, kids are awake, so who knows? Just waiting for that one text from the wife, you know. <laughs> um, just all that stuff can be very distracting. And so when I'm in my creative mode, it's like I need to be focused. I need to have my headphones in. And for some reason, it's just at night. It's just when I click. It's just I've always been that way. So I feel like we're interrupting like merch lord uh <laughs> no, this merch, is merch time merch merch them right now no, we all need a break sometimes but tonight i'll take the night off for you guys yeah i was gonna say we we see uh we see a lot of ig stories from uh tony napton's accounts at, at very uh, late hours or early hours in the day so when i originally was like you know when can we try and get you on you know also i'm a, a parent so i understand you know, after bedtime is like a golden, a golden time. But I was like, oh, actually like 10 PM, it is late. But for Tony Napton, like that's like, that's the the prime hour. So I was like, I, I can see why, I can see why he was down to pod for a, a little late night sesh with us. Yeah. This is the second wave. Second wave hits right about 10 o'clock. So you guys nailed it. Yeah. So how do you fuel? What's the, like, what's the, what's the Mike's secret stuff that you, um, or special um, stuff that you fuel on? I got a little Pacifico tonight. Usually it's Corona, but I am at the Thunderdome, um, which is the name of our 
<laughs> satellite office. Thunderdome <laughs> Bistro. Thunderdome Bistro, to be exact. It makes it classy. <laughs> yeah. You have a kitchen, so it is a bistro. <laughs> yeah, there's, we have a running joke. We have, like, this... Eric left, like, this chef hat here. And so we put the chef hat on. We're, like, cooks, and we're, you know... We're making... We're cooking on the computer, you know? You're, you're cooking so up we the are, beats. So we are chefs. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, usually it's Corona. A um, couple Coronas. There is a sweet spot. You know, you need like three or four. Anything more than that, you get a little, it's a little too much. Um, it's like golf. There's a there's a plateau effect. Um, yeah, for sure. Where you have where you have a couple, and then you feel okay. You feel a little maybe liquid confidence, and then you start to tail off. Exactly. Then you yeah. need a little candy. Sometimes a coffee, depending on what time. You don't want to be up too late. You know, there is a fine line there. Yeah. So you need, you need that upper and that downer. And you just kind of you just need to find that you know that sweet spot. Yeah, as a parent too, like you know that however however long you stay up, you know your children will be up early too. So you're like, all right, how soon do I want to see my children before I get like this quick <laughs> nap in? Yeah, that's where you know huge props to my wife because she's the opposite. She likes to go to bed early and get up early. So we have like this mutual understanding where it's like, I will be up. So like, especially when they're babies, if they, if they wake up anything like before 2 AM, I will handle that. Anything yeah. after that, she will handle it. And so like, I can sleep in a little bit and it's just a, a perfect, you know, mutual understanding there. Works out great. Partnerships. That's yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. We, we've had some, um, I don't know that we've actually had any moms on our show, but we've had a few dads. Drew is our resident dad, our professor emeritus dad. <laughs> and um, it, it, it all comes down to the partnerships. It's like, yeah, we are saved by those other halves, those better halves potentially. And um, sharing the time sheet is a huge part of that. I'm sure, especially as a creator, as somebody who has to work and has to be, functioning at a high level in order to do the work that they do yeah and she gets that so it's been it's been great it's a beautiful thing my friend so what a week you've had you two met in person i know you had a lovely dinner do you want to drew oh it was a it was a beautiful time um it's it's really crazy to think about the fact that tony and i lived in the same city for multiple years together not knowing that each other existed to only find each other via Instagram and, uh, you know, strike up some conversations due to our, you know, proximity to random golf club and just like being on golf Instagram to like Tony and I connecting. And then he's like, yo, I'm moving. I was like, Oh, (laughs) literally right as we started talking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're like, we were like trying to meet up. It was like COVID. And then like, Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm moving next week. So yeah. That's it's like, hey, let's hang. Oh, I'm actually moving to Austin. I was like, oh, sick. Okay. Uh, it happened so quick. <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was great to be able to to finally connect with Tony in Milwaukee, um, our home city. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, we had beautiful Simon and uh, and Josh along for beautiful the ride. Simon. So. <laughs> it was a great time. Shared some meatballs, you know, yeah. little squ- squid ink pasta, whatever that mm-hmm. is, you know. Yeah. Was that the first time, Tony, that you had gone back to Wisconsin since having left? No, I'd been back a couple of times, but those were with kids. Um, it's there's a lot of travel involved. Strictly, you know, let's meet the grandparents, parents, mm. aunts, uncles, and then back to Austin. So this was like the first trip where I came by myself and just got to play a little golf and like go to the Ryder Cup and kind of enjoy it a little bit. So it was, it was special. That's right. You went to the dang Ryder Cup. I mean, what a beatdown, first yeah. of all. Second of all, did you feel any pride having it in the great state of Wisconsin, which oh, yeah. we've now been to? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think the best part was like just hearing people talk about how nice all the workers are and stuff. Like That's the Wisconsin I know is just like nice people. And yeah. so for out-of-towners to come into town and just like for them to say all that stuff just warms my heart up. And then having played, having played whistling straights and then to watch the tournament is a really bizarre experience because like, Oh, I put it in the water on this hole. And it's, it's really (laughs) crazy to like see professionals hit similar shots that you've hit 
in like the yeah. same spots. It's so weird. It's such a weird feeling. You're like, oh, I've three putted from there. Yeah. Everybody's human. That exact spot. Four putted, yeah. yeah. It's crazy to see them make it look so easy too, where it's like they were just sticking it so close. And I'm like, you know, I was just happy if I hit the green, much less put it within mm-hmm. like five feet, like they were doing. So it's like it's just you you just have such an appreciation for professional golfers. Because yep. you, you know, like I did it, it was it was nothing like what they were doing. Exactly. Like when I played, I think it's fifteen and some par five or sixteen, maybe one of the two. Um, I birdied that when I played. That was like my claim to fame. And then I'm like, I was like telling everybody, I'm like, I birdied this hole. And then I get up to the tee box, and I'm like, oh, but their tee box is like two hundred yards behind <laughs> yeah. me yet, so it kind of doesn't <laughs> compare. That look back moment is so real when you if you play a. Uh, a championship golf course that has hosted events or specifically major events like us open or something like that. There is that look back moment. If you're playing with somebody who's played the golf course before or a caddy or something like that, they're like, yeah, you think this hole is tough now? Like literally look behind you and it's 200 yards down a skinny little path that is like mown over because nobody ever plays on that tee box in the regular, in the normal times. That's a humbling moment. You think the roughs are bad now? Like we've been rolling them down. Like we let them grow up crazy when it's a pro tournament coming in town. So you're like, well, that just adds to everything that makes me feel terrible about myself as a golfer. (laughs) Yeah. I actually played when I played there, I played with Roger Steele and watching him hit a bar on whistling was. He moves it. He moves it. He drove it over the green on one. I mean, granted, it wasn't the championship tees, but that is still very impressive. Yeah, it's, yeah. Bryson didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just put it on the green. You just put it on the green. I mean, come on. So beside the the general, like, affability of the workers, the everybody being Midwest nice, Wisconsin nice, which Brad and I, for the first time coming to Wisconsin, we experienced Wisconsin nice. And that is a real damn thing. Like, mm-hmm. that is, you can't, that's not a fable beyond that what was the energy on the grounds like during the tournament oh man we were lucky enough to make it to the first tee um when they like came out of the little tunnel thing and that was that was a surreal experience like just how hyped the crowd was at 6 30 or whatever time we got there and the energy from the players like they they active. I was there for the PGA Championship too, and it's just night and day. The the fans, obviously, and then the players themselves too. I think they can they feel a little bit more themselves when they're out there for the Ryder mm-hmm. Cup, and it, it was just I think they treated it a little differently. And you could tell it was just it was really crazy to see. Yeah, and you saw that emotion come out afterward, right? Rory was shedding some tears and getting choked up, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it it clearly means so much to them, even though there's no. You know, there's no FedEx Cup points on the line. There's no like major prize on the line other than pride and representing your country and um, just like playing in a team. Do you think team element, like team formatted tournaments, would work in a regular FedEx Cup season? Because I want to see it personally more. Yeah, there's something to be said about disappointing yourself, but when you're like somebody else you're playing with, disappointing them sometimes is is harder. And so I think right. it, it kind of, I don't know, it seems to elevate them a little bit. Right. When you're, I mean, like the to draw a comparison to basketball, it's like when you step up to the free throw line and you have two seconds left on the clock and you're down by two and you miss the first three free throw, that hurts everyone, not just you making, yeah. missing that free throw. And it's the same thing can be said about missing that two footer for, to have the match or whatever it might be. Plus, I think it'd be cool. Like if you did have teams, imagine like, the Wisconsin so-and-so trades for Bryson DeChambeau. Like that'd be, <laughs> and you could like draft people from the, corn the free market, tour or something. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah, free agency in, in golf. I think that'd be so hype. That'd that be would be, it, it, would, wow. it, would add a, it would add another element that I think would make, well, uh, gambling for sure more interesting, but also just, just viewership because you either have your favorite players or you don't have your favorite players. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like when, your guys aren't playing well. 
you're like, why do I even care? Like, I don't need to tune in on Sunday if my guys aren't playing well. So yeah, that could be that. That could be very interesting to be able to like draft a team and still have to have interest in in the in the game. Plus, oh my my, my brain goes straight to merchandising too. So that would be, a, so, that'd be so, a blast. Okay, so what would um if let's say Milwaukee had a uh a team like a golf team like they do the Bucks? What would the name be, and what would your logo be? Hmm. Let's say it's like two person teams. We might be creating a completely new golf league, but <laughs> this is awesome. Down I don't want to go. It. I don't want to go this the stereotype route. You know, so much cheese, like whatever. That's too easy. That's a layup. The, cur- the curds. The curds. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe something <laughs> like old fashions. That'd be kind of fun. Put a little play on words. Old fashions. Yeah. Like it's a, it's the like drink. the drink. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. That's our, that's our, that's our, um, I don't think, did we have any old fashions when you were here, Connor? I don't believe I don't think, so. Like brandy old fashions? Wow. I don't, I don't think we did. I don't think so, but I, is that a, a is that a Wisconsin thing? Is, is an old fashioned a Wisconsin drink? Yeah. Specifically the way they make it. They do have yes. old fashions other places, but we make it far different than any other place. Well, mm-hmm. color me shocked. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Brandy I'm disappointed in you, Drew. That's. That's sad. To we hear did. That. I was gonna say we didn't really do a lot of like alcohol consumption in general. We were just so just working. Busy yeah. And, yeah. Well, it was it was such a, it was a lot of tight turnarounds and like it was just like oh we get in at midnight and wake up at four. So there wasn't right. really much time for like even like having like a celebratory yeah. beverage. But that yeah, we, only we, that means that we you you guys have to come back. So. There's there's yeah. plenty of reason to go back, but mm-hmm. um, but the the brandy old fashioned is definitely one of them, if not chief among them. We, I mean, yeah, if we like, we were delirious enough on that trip, purely because of sleep deprivation. That I think if mm-hmm. we added alcohol or any other substances to the mix, it might yeah. it might have been might have been lights out for yeah. The, the, for, the, for the those boys. those series might not be into the universe <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. Chase yeah. Sapphire would have been nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I saw the tiniest little glimpse of production at the Ryder Cup. We had to film some stuff, and like that was for like literally twenty four hours. I can't imagine like full series of shooting. Yeah, well, yeah, and, the guy, and the crew that was there, they shot that whole Aaron Hills thing the day before we started. Which Aaron Hills is such a monster to walk. And mm-hmm. they like Simon and and all of the crew were like running Aaron Hills, like physically running to get the shots and to get you know every single player. And I'm like, y'all ran Aaron Hills, and now you're up at four, like five a.m. with us at Dredska. For real, like, that would have that would have ended me. So I was like so impressed. They were on the road. They were over in Europe for like three and a half weeks, and went directly from there and flew to Milwaukee for the Ryder cup and shot. And like, so Simon was on the road for 29 days. And then I'm like, I want to stay an extra day to catch the Ryder cup. Will you stay back with me? <laughs> He's like 29 days. What's what's 30. You know, what's like, 30. What bless his heart. Shout out to Simon. Simon for doing Simon's the, the ultimate. Uh, he'll, he'll say yes to anything yeah. Yeah. in regards to travel. <laughs> Scrappy little tyke. He's a, so, uh, yeah, that was he's fun. the youngest dad I've ever had in my life. What a <laughs> so what a true. wonderful guy! Um, yeah, it was the, the I think the best part of the trip was learning how old Simon actually is, and we're like, "You are so much wiser and older than me, mm-hmm. a man in my middle 30s. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, and he's good. I mean, he's yeah. very mm-hmm. good at what he does. He is a pro, as are you, Tony. I I want to hear a little bit about your creative process i know you're working with a team now but like how has that transition been from working in your own shop like owning your own brand to folding into what is a burgeoning growing business with a growing team as well i enjoy having a team far more i think i i thrive in like the more conceptual side of things coming up with the ideas capsule collections whatever it may be a story behind it creating design briefs for certain projects where here's like the one line sentence that describes it. Here's like a two paragraph story about it. Here's like a mood board. 
that has like photography inspiration, color palettes, comps from other companies, like whatever it may be. I love doing all that stuff. And then being able to have people like Peter and John take that and just execute on it with little input from me from there is mm. amazing. Like it, I get far more excited when like Peter or John like shows me a design that they did from my design brief or what some some little guidance and it's like amazing. Yeah. Spot on. I get yeah. far more hype from that than anything I've done. Wow. That's really beautiful. <laughs> That's because it's I mean, because you're a you're a glue guy. Exactly. Okay. I didn't want to say was, it. I didn't want to say it. Thanks. That was one of the that was one of the questions I had. So um it's transition. Explain to me like I'm a uh, a, a three year old. What is a glue guy? A glue guy is somebody you'll do anything for your fellow fellow man. You know, like if Simon is off on a photo shoot and he needs some batteries, and he calls me, and I'm hanging with the kids, stiff arm the kids away. I'm going to get batteries for my boy Simon. <laughs> That's work. a glue guy. Yeah, that's a glue guy. You're you know, just you, you, Heis, you just... Heisman Trophy, the kids out of the way. Yeah, it's oh, it's man. you know it's stuff like that. You just you'll do anything for the people you're working with, and mm. that's that sums it up. You know, I think, that's and amazing. I think another uh, another thing that I see as a glue guy or glue person, it's like you're the you're the cheerleader as well. You know, like you're always there to be like you said there for the team but also you're you're the you're the the constant like moral support as well where it's like like people want to be around you because you bring them up to whatever level they need to be yeah Mm. i love that it's so true and it seems like rgc is a team full of glue people because to some degree i mean i mean like the creative field, the production field, like necessitates being a glue person, right? Yeah. Because you just have to step up. You have to perform. Yeah. I mean, we do value-based hiring and it, it shows in the people we have on our team. That's the stuff you can't, you can't teach, you know, you can't teach, yep. you can't teach the glue. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, exactly. born with Elmer's or you're not. <laughs> yeah. What kind That's of glue so- are you? That's in our interview questions. Yeah. yeah. That's so true because I, I've always been told and even in like the small amount of like decision making i've had in my different careers of like hiring you hire for character you can always Mm -hmm. teach skills or you know any sort of anything you need to learn on the job can be taught but i've always tried to yeah hire for character because you can't teach that and you can't no amount of money or anything can instill that in someone you either have it or you don't Plus, I mean, you just want to, you want to enjoy your work too. So like being around people that you genuinely enjoy being around. I mean, Mm. just the, the mood in the room at all times is always high. And so that, that in itself is super creative and it just brings the best out in you. So that's, that's something that I noticed on the RGC trip with, uh, in Wisconsin was, yeah, all of the staff and and people that were up from from Austin, it was just like, it, it was all for the team. It was never like, oh, I only do this, I only do this. This is my job. It was just a very collective group, and I and I think Connor and Brad would say the same. Like, we never felt like talent. Like, we all felt like we were in it together, and mm-hmm. we were all making this thing. It wasn't like we were treated differently. Like we were all part of RGC for that uh, that three day trip, and it was nothing like I had ever experienced in in content creation before. So it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was something that I, I I don't think could be replicated unless we were doing it again with with y'all. Yeah, and it shows it shows in the content. You know, that stuff was incredible. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like our trip was uh, in Wisconsin, and I definitely saw this last week when I was working at the LPGA event, it's just like when it comes down to crunch time like that, like there's no such thing as a job description. You just like, you just do what you have to do in order to get the job done. Whatever that job, whatever X is, whatever that variable is to solve, you just do what you have to do because the team will benefit from it. All boats rise with the tide at filling the 
prophetic blank, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, it was inspiring to watch, um, the RGC crew move about that space very fluidly and very capably despite being so, um, I guess young and, and possessing a characteristic that I think a lot of people in traditional roles would view as like junior or like inexperienced. It's, it was really cool to see them just like make decisions, make strategic decisions that ultimately serve the greater good, the, the, the overall project. Very yeah. cool. And I think when you're when you're doing some a series like that, it's like you don't want to you don't want to script everything because you want it, a lot of it to feel organic and natural. So like some things will just happen on the fly, and it should happen that way. But that also makes things extremely stressful. <laughs> so um, <laughs> as I'm sure you guys ran into at some point, organized chaos. Yeah, exactly. And it take, it takes a, a good group of people to power through that and, and get to the end. You gotta have some thick skin and some sense of adventure. Adventure, yes, exactly. We use that yeah. word often. I want to hear a little bit about your journey through Radry. Actually, before Radry, I actually had a different brand. Um, I started a baseball lifestyle brand in 2011, and at the time, I was playing a lot of baseball. As Drew, you know, in Wisconsin, our window for weather is pretty tight, so. When you're a little, when you're in you know, high school, college, it's like you're either going to play golf or you're going to play baseball. You can't really do both because it's the same season. Or so I, yeah. And so I figured I have a long time to play golf, very short window to play baseball. So I was playing a lot of baseball and I had this idea to create a lifestyle brand around that, you know, similar to Radry, but in, in the baseball world. And so I started a, a brand with a buddy of mine from college. We started really small. We had no money. I mean, we were broke. We had like two boxes of shirts. <laughs> uh, we started with that and just, it grew into a, a pretty good sized company actually, um, mm-hmm. or organically. And then about five years in, I stopped playing baseball and the fire for designing kind of started to fizzle away. And I was mm. like starting to think about golf and I wanted to play more golf. And the idea for a golf brand was just, the, the ball was starting to deform uh, regarding that. And so finally I, I left the baseball industry and started Radry um, on my own. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know, it was just like a, a pro- I still had like a little design studio on the side that was kind mm-hmm. of paying the bills. So while Radry was just kind of a thing to see where it would go, who knows what would happen. And yeah, I, I basically, I came out with just the one collection at the beginning um, from there, it was just like I was putting out a bunch of creative posts and designs and stuff, but I wasn't making a whole lot of merch because I, I just didn't have the time to do it. Um, and then RGC came about, and then I really didn't have any time. <laughs> uh, so the current status of Radry, semi-retired. Um, I think the toughest part was moving to Austin like 10 months ago was a big deal. Yeah, I got the kids. We like moved into a new house a couple months ago. And so any spare time I had just was eaten up by life, you know, and that happens. Um, but now I'm, I'm starting to feel a little more settled here in Austin. Things are starting to calm down. The dust is settling a little bit. So there might be some, some might be some radry stuff in the near future. Um, but we'll see. I, I just hate like, I hate putting like 3% into something, you know what I mean? Which is what I would give Radry. I want to, I want to make, if I'm going to make some stuff for it, I want to make sure it's done right. And I put time into it. And unfortunately I just, it just hasn't been there. So. Yeah. And I imagine it's hard to, when RGC is such a big gig, big job, obviously it's full time, but it's, we all know it's more than that. It's more than full time. I imagine it's hard to, compartmentalize creatively mm. is that true do you have that experience yes and no i think they're both very different brands just mm. from like the apparel side i i can definitely separate the two and make designs for both um mm. without much overlap i think radry i can be a little more abstract and not vulgar but like <laughs> <laughs> a little more edgier i guess i'd like to see that yeah yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know that's more of just like my creative uh, mood board at the moment. Just like anything that comes to my head, I have to get it down and I'll post it, whether it becomes 
a t-shirt who cares um yeah that's just kind of like my creative output at this point how do you manage with uh work you know rgc started with you dming eric uh about his shoes and then it turned into this like very uh great relation like fruitful relationship of you you know freelancing and designing to now it being a legitimate brand and a recognizable brand in the golf space how has that like have you had to change your mindset from like we can just do cool shit and whatever we want to like we have to focus on the the customer base and like what do they want to see like is that hard for you as a as a designer to like look at it holistically and then also as like a business and like you know how can we make sales through our merchandise and our our voice yeah i think that's definitely the struggle and also why i want to kind of keep radry alive just for my own creative sanity um because yeah i mean we're a couple years into this now with Red Random Golf Club, and a lot of it is data driven. A lot of it is customer focused. So what they want, um, I will make, because at the end of the day, we are a brand for the community. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I want to make a hot pink shirt with, you know, a tie dye graphic on it or something like, it might not work. You know, and that's just how it is. Um, but we can always test it. But. Um, we're in a cool spot now where we've graduated from like hats and tees mm-hmm. to now we are in a position to where we can actually like make some cool stuff from the ground up and we have the the time and the people to make that stuff happen. So you won't see a lot of this stuff probably until next in the next year, but like we're in a, a great spot where we're just not making merch. We mm-hmm. are like, making some really cool stuff stepping into like the the cut and sew world just really yeah changes so yeah like you said you can take make something from nothing versus just i'm putting my logo on a blank you know yeah like, the, that's, the begin- that's so cool yeah the beginning is by far the hardest part because like mm-hmm. you're you're talking low minimums like no factory in the u.s or wherever is going to want to work with you if you're like i want to make 24 hats they're gonna be like yeah yeah so like, like you are, uh, yeah, <laughs> you feel very handcuffed um, as a designer and very, it's limiting and it's, it can be really frustrating, but I've been down that path uh, with my previous brand. And so I knew what the end of the tunnel looked like. And so I was, I was willing to just kind of ride that wave out because I, I knew RGC's mission. I love Eric and Evan, like the, their vision for the company. I was like completely sold on and here we are now i'm like making some mm. cut and sew stuff and where i want to be so you mentioned let's use the example of like a pink shirt with a tie-dye print whatever if there's something that you are truly passionate about how much do you feel like you can or should fight for that like <laughs> where does where does the line blur between like i want i want this i know this can happen versus like or i guess the question is like how do you process like a no uh, or a failure that's when, a great when... question um easy answer we prioritize um failure and experimenting mm-hmm. so if i want to make a pink shirt um i can make a pink shirt and we can release a pink shirt there mm-hmm. you know if if there's a lot of you know trust is a big one where people trust me to make my good judgment and make designs that I like. And sometimes they're going to work. Sometimes they're not like we've made design designs that we thought the customer wanted and it didn't move. And it's just, Mm. that's how it is, you know? So we, Mm. we do prioritize experimenting and failure is a good thing. So I don't ever feel handcuffed in that regard at all. Like now we're trying to get on like a production calendar of like designing for a year out. Um, Mm. Sometimes, I mean, bigger brands are like two years out. So imagine, imagine designing a shoe or something for Adidas, and that's not going to go out for like two and a half years. You you have to be in a, that experimental mindset because by the time it releases, you don't know what's going to happen in two years. Exactly. So if you if you're constantly playing it safe and like what's in front of you at that moment, by the time this stuff comes out, it's going to be a dud. And then, yeah, you just don't want to put those guardrails on your your creativity. Do you feel like being a smaller brand and having a smaller footprint and 
being you know newer that you actually have an advantage to larger brands where you're like where we can be more versatile and more you know agile where like we can you know yeah we we will plan out a year in advance for you know spring 2023 or whatever but we also can move within that if we see a trend that we want to jump on um like how yeah how does how does that feel as a as a designer to be able to to have that mobility yeah that's that's super nice i mean we're we're trying to build out like a a blanks program for that reason like that's part of the, the reason why we're here is like just having garments like on deck for quick turnaround stuff is not many other companies can can pull that off um so we're, we're yeah just trying to leverage the fact that we are still small and like utilizing you know the quick pivot stuff that we can get away with it's very stressful but um <laughs> as long as we can do it we might as well take advantage of it hey y'all this is brad and connor andrew we wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening. It truly means a lot to us, and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear to vent or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight and mind your golf. Uh, how have kids coming into your life affected your creativity? Would you say? Wow. Hmm. That's interesting. I would say I'm a, I'm a more confident creator. I think when I first started, even when I was with routine baseball, my previous company and like things were going extremely well, I had this sort of imposter syndrome where it's like, Hmm. I'm coming out of green bay wisconsin and i'm looking at all these other designers and they're in la they're in minneapolis chicago like whatever i'm like why am i doing well like i i always had that question and once i had kids i don't know it's like my my place in this world i guess was kind of like solidified and like my purpose kind of was like hammered down and so i was i came i was just more confident um, and that trickled down into my, my designs. It trickled into my, my creative mindset. And, um, mm. yeah, I'm just like a completely different person. Once we had kids, a lot more emotional too, which whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I never was a crier. And then the second I heard my daughter cry at the hospital, it's like, Ugh! and now everything trips me off. So. I can attest to that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know. it is weird where you just, yeah, it just, I, I feel like I've always been pretty in touch with my emotions, but yeah, I'm way more sentimental now as a, I, anytime any, there's like any sort of show or content that's like parents, like father, son, father, daughter, I'm just like, yep, I'm gonna, gonna cry now. That's gonna happen. <laughs> and it could be the, the corniest, cheesiest thing. I'm like, Yep, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ball in the corner for about ten minutes, and then I'll be good. I don't have kids, but that must be such an an uncomfortable but also empowering feeling, Brian. Well, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I cry a good bit, but it, it's I, I mean I mean specifically Tony with your with with regards to your creativity to have that sense of belonging or sense of confidence. Um rooted in such a clear thing of like i am this person now because i have these people who need yeah, me it's like, yeah you feel a little lost and then you you have kids and like i'm a dad now and like mm. that's who i am and i wouldn't that's like the best job in the world and so now it's like you know my daughter's three and she can see my designs and get excited about things and i can talk to her a little bit and it's it's wild like now i want to really create awesome stuff because I want her to be proud of it. And that is just like a whole different mind situation. It wow. just, it wants, it, you just like elevate yourself to a level you just didn't know existed. Yeah. It's a new, a new sense of purpose for sure. That is really interesting. Can you trace a clear design lineage from like pre-kid, like before child BC? <laughs> to, <laughs> That's to after like child that. AC. Um, of like, this is, um, 
this is where I was designing before and now I have kids and now I'm more confident and et cetera. And now like my designs have gone in a different direction. Is that possible? I think most of it is just me being like in a leadership role more than anything. Like huh. I, we had like five or six employees at my previous company and me being one of the owners, I looking back, it's like laughable how bad of a leader I was. <laughs> like I was just trying to like be friends with everybody. And it's like, Oh, and we never had meetings and like whatever. And like looking at me now, it's like, I I'm really enjoying that, that challenge of being a leader. And I'm, and it's all because I had kids like 1000%. Mm-hmm. Um, and like having a team of people is, is just so different now. Um, yeah, it's, it's like night and day. Just that, it, that confidence thing. As a, as someone that has been in multiple spaces like baseball and now golf and now that golf is your business or like your day job where do you find a solace or like where is your happy place if uh if golf was your happy place before to get away from the world um do you still find golf to be this uh escape or is it feel different now that it's your job that's a good question because like what I experienced in the baseball world is I got burnt out like really bad. Uh, once I left the industry, like I diehard Brewer fan and just love baseball, but I took like three years off. I couldn't watch a game, never picked up my glove. Like it was just, I burnt myself out pretty hardcore. And so knowing that going into golf, I definitely don't want that happening in golf. I love golf too much. Um, mm. So it is important to kind of step away from that and having kids definitely solves that because you don't have any other time so definitely the easy answer is definitely you know chilling with my kids is my happy place but um outside of that it's definitely painting um it's one of it's something i really really enjoyed um it's been a hot minute since i've been on the canvas but like i'm going to make a conscious effort to get back on that soon um it's just again 11 o'clock at night headphones are on it's just you and in the in the canvas there's just nothing better than that wow are any of these pub are, are any of these paintings public from your past or uh you could probably find a couple deep on the gram um <laughs> wow i want to see it's been more we, we it's been more Tony digital original here yeah it's I been want more Tony, digital lately oh on that nft game exactly Bang. I I wanted Tony Napton in my house. That's a new goal. Well, so now yeah, with the NFTs, it's like that it's fun, but it's it's still digital at the end of the day. I want to get back to the I want to get back to the canvas. The real. Yeah. Yeah. We're a lot we're a lot I'm guessing a lot of the designs, some of the stuff you posted on Radry, those and the the prints, those were all hand drawn. On my iPad. Yeah. Technically still digital, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Yeah. iPad is a blessing and a curse <laughs> for that reason. It's like, it's just so easy to just pick it up and like pretend like you're painting, but at the end of the day, you're mm. not painting. And so mm. I need to be better about that. Yeah. I can see there's a, a very cathartic experience with physically doing that. Um, I've taken a few, like I took a pottery class, uh, a ceramics class in, in college. And it was like, there was nothing like throwing down uh, like a like a, a pot on the wheel. It was so so much different than anything I'd ever done before, and it was yeah, it was like therapy to me. Um, and I I haven't had a chance to do it since college, uh, but I'm always like thinking like I would love to just go and like just get on a wheel and just just make something out of nothing. It's yeah, it's it's cool. I can see how physically painting on canvas could have that same effect yeah i mean you're staring at a canvas you don't see the little notifications pop up mm-hmm. in the corner yep. you can't just you know hit a undo mm-hmm. button like mm-hmm. things are a little more intentional and and focused for sure so and i imagine too it. like making mistakes becomes part of the process exactly more. and that's far more beautiful than just being able to undo right right that's that's really fascinating. Well, I hope I hope you do get back on the canvas. I'm I'm I need to see consume some Tony Nafton. I'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, Champions dinner. 
what are you serving at that dinner and are cheese curds involved? <laughs> no cheese curds. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, this meal would be for me. If it was like people were visiting from Wisconsin, they're at this master's dinner or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably give them some cheese curds, just whatever. But okay. if it's my decision and it's I'm making, decision. yeah, exactly. No cheese curds. It would be definitely uh, wings. Um, Let's go. Specifically, uh, Drew, you might know a couple of these. It has to, it would have to be like either Legend Larry's. Okay. Um, they're in Green Bay and Manitowoc and Sheboygan. Uh, Stenny's. Or points, points East. It has to be one of those three places. And then um, ranch, lots of ranch, no blue cheeses allowed. Oh, I hope that no one can eat blue cheese. No, no, I'm very strict. It doesn't doesn't belong on wings, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, blue cheese is terrible. You might have just lost a bunch of followers, but um, (laughs) and everyone is unsubscribed. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, probably like a little side dish of Sour Patch Kids. Um, you can't be a Tony Ra- uh, Tony Napton meal without Sour Patch Kids. No, I can't. Specifically, is Sour Patch Kid or- original or the watermelons? <laughs> no watermelons. Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be. If I had a choice, it'd be the big kids. The big kid Sour Patch mm-hmm. Kids. I don't know if the formula is different or if it's like the gummy to sugar ratio. But like they just hit different. They hit so different. It's amazing. So aside of big kid, Sour Patch Kids, and then maybe, um, the, maybe this distribution of like sugar crystals. Yeah, it's just like a little bit. I different, think that's or what maybe it is. Just like the, the the size to the sugar crystals that. Yeah, I think that yeah, it it hits different. For there's sure. something that's yeah. so funny. I wonder if there's like a blog about it. There's got to be some science behind it. It's it's there's, definitely there's a, red, on the there's a Reddit thread that has that. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. No such thing as original thought. That that is on the internet somewhere. <laughs> And then to drink, um, it would be the brandy sour old fashioned. Yeah. Okay. Nothing so else is allowed. Not even of... water. Like not. You can't even have water. It's just the brandy old fashioned sours. <laughs> do you like uh, Do you like olives in your brandy old fashioned? I do, but I would prefer. Yes. I would prefer mushrooms though. Oh, but both. Hold I could on. Do, you like, can do the, both. The yeah. Stick with both. Yeah. Yeah. Mushrooms like pickled mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. I'm yeah, I, would love, I love like Wisconsin I love, like, uncovered. I'm uncovering a whole new side of wow. Part two. Yeah, let's go. I part love, two. I love, Just I love drinks. a skewer, a skewer <laughs> with like a couple olives and a mushroom. That's a perfect, yeah, brandy old fashioned sour. That's the drink. Yep. So that's, I think that would be the meal. It'd be wings, sour patch kids, and an old fashioned. All right. I got to hop on Google flights and get, get my butt back out to Milwaukee. Whatever you do, don't, if you see old fashioned on a menu and you're not in Wisconsin, don't get it. It's gonna be bad, and they, I don't want yeah, you. To, I don't want you to taint your idea of an old fashioned by doing that. Yeah, so. They won't. I mean, they won't muddle it. They won't do it right. Yeah. I exactly. well, here's the thing. I make old fashions in my house. I love. I love an old fashioned. I love the drink old fashioned. But I don't. I don't. I can't say that I've had a brandy old fashioned before. So, mm-hmm. I please withhold judgment. Tony, what are some of your favorite golf smells? Okay, I actually gave this some thought, so you're gonna have to just bear with me here. Okay. Yeah. So, fall golf in the Midwest, mm. specifically up north. Um, there's there's like a, a Christmas to the air, right? And that Christmas has a smell to it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I actually I wrote this down. If we were to take this smell and make like a a Yankee candle or something like that, right? Mm. It would be like forty percent of it would be like wet leaves. Like that smell of like mm-hmm. wet leaves. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what wet leaves, it's like if you've gone fishing and you got like little styrofoam mm-hmm. like nightcrawler bin, it kind of smells like that. Wow. Okay. So then we got another 20% would be like your car or like the golf cart exhaust because mm-hmm. it's getting a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Cars are warming up, lots of exhaust. That's got a smell to it. 15% would be pine. So we're late fall, we're talking like pines and evergreens are just thriving up in the yeah. Wisconsin area, right? Yeah. Another 15%, uh, shout out to Bradford for this, chapstick. 
and Ooh. he would have like an original chapstick smell. And then oh, he's <clears> gonna <throat> love this. Yeah. And then the remaining ten percent would be like old, like an old closet smell. Because mothballs. Yeah, a little mothbally. Because like you're you might be busting out like a winter knit hat or jacket or something that's been mm-hmm. chilling all year and you wow. might bust it out for the first time. And that's got it's got a distinct smell. Wow. So if you like took you put all this into a candle smell, that's that would be. And maybe oh like an God. like a bonus five percent would be like stale Miller Lite. Mm, yeah. Ah, yes. Yep. So it would be 105%. I was just trying to do the math in my head. I was carrying ones. <laughs> and the soundtrack to this smell would have to be the first Bony Bear album, right? <laughs> That's good. Yes. <laughs> when he was deep in the woods in Eau Claire. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I hear wow. it. I, I'm, I, hear, I hear that and I smell that. And it's, I smell that. It feels. It feels like home, Tony. It feels like I'm, home. Yeah. That might be that might be the most thoughtful answer that we've gotten to that question ever. Mm. That was so thought out and well percentages. Was, yeah. I was inspired by the Wisconsin meetup. Like I've been in Austin for so long and it's been a thousand degrees here every day. And I can't smell anything here because the allergies are so bad. So like I literally Austin to me has no like smell. I literally can't yeah. smell anything. Yeah. Like I, I tried to not smell things yeah. purposefully. Yeah. But oh, we, that's so we, good. we went into the Wisconsin meetup and like I had a flannel on. It was a little chilly and that smell just yeah, magnificent. T- Tony Takes Tony showed up with the flannel and shorts. It's a, a very Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking jean shorts? They they were. Yeah. Yeah, shorts. Yes, <laughs> good. I, I had a picture in my mind and I'm glad that it yeah. mapped. Yeah. Hell it, yeah. Matt, it, it it tracked for sure. I mean, George in a flannel. I mean, welcome to Wisconsin. It's the most beautiful thing. What uh, What would you say is a, a time that you laughed the hardest on the chorus? And were you wearing George at the time? I I definitely don't think I was wearing George. Um, I would say okay. So a, a while back at Shorewood Golf Course in Green Bay, I was driving. I was driving a cart. I had two buddies behind me in a cart and they gave me like these, the tiniest little corner bump. Like I don't, it wasn't even intentional. Like I think I was just like in a slower golf cart than they were. And in fact, I don't even to this day, I don't even know if they even touched me, but my, <laughs> my cart went from a phantom bump. <laughs> yeah. My cart went from going straight to 90 degrees in a snap of <laughs> fingers. And the problem with that was that to our right, um was a giant ravine some would call it a some would call it a cliff and the only thing that was separating my golf cart going a thousand miles an hour directly at it was like this six inch tall like post you know like those posts in front of the greens that usually has like the dragger cart to the right, right. signs they're like this tall i hit this six inch post square like directly in the center of my golf cart and it must have been like pointing in because it my golf cart like propped up on it so the front end was like in the air and i was i stopped on a dime and it just like was sitting on the top of this post so like the front end of my cart was kind of like dangling off this thing and it was like dead quiet for like 10 seconds straight and then once we realized safety was was okay we just like burst out laughing it was like the funniest (laughs) thing i've ever so okay, so I I want to I want to complete this picture. So you're in that plateau zone of like four Miller Lights deep, and you're you get a phantom bump from the cart behind you, puts you in a tizzy, where you are barreling towards a cliff, imminent yeah. death, like certain death, and you hit a a carts this way sign, props you up, dead silence laughter yeah i was gonna use like i was gonna use like dale earnhardt as a as a comp but that uh, too soon Uh, yeah yeah i was trying not to but it was similar to that wow just the cart yeah yeah i see it yeah i mean when you're when you're i've had a similar cart fiasco and when you're that close to i mean it's a whole it's it's not funny but it's a hilarious cause of demise 
It, yeah. It's a it's a ridiculous cause of cause cause of death or cause of mortal injury. Um, so when you escape, when you come out on the other side unscathed, it's hilarious. It's it just was, funny. Yeah. yeah, and it's still um, funny to this day. Yeah, yeah. Um, almost funny. dying can be very funny. Yeah, yeah. More recently, though, at my first meetup in Orlando. I, I was definitely, before RGC, I was like definitely the guy I was definitely afraid of hitting in front of like one random person. Mm. And so I went into a meetup, which Drew, as you know now, 50, 60 people watching you hit. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. And so my first meetup, I was like trying to hang out in the back and like trying to figure out how I was going to hit my first tee shot without, with as little number of people watching me as possible. And then of course, Eric points me out calls me to the front in front of everybody announces who I am and I'm like basically hitting in front of everybody they now are watching me he's got a camera right in my face and it's like <laughs> my worst nightmare is like happening in front of me oh, and like gosh. the worst part is a par four and so I'm like okay if this is gonna happen I'm just gonna grab a four iron and just like just put one down there. the middle yeah yeah that was mistake number one um, so I grab my four iron <laughs> and I, I barely hit the ball like, I don't even think it hit the face. I think it hit the shaft and it just, it went like 15 yards left. And so I don't think it wasn't like the hardest I've laughed, but the collective laughter was, was the lot, like the most laughed. Yeah. It was, you, it was you funny. Rule, you rule 17 bead in real time with a group of people. That's, that's, exactly. that's amazing. Yeah. I was just trying to be on brand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're just trying to show yeah. like, yeah. I do actually work for random golf club. It's, it's yeah. not a, it's not a hoax. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm, I'm a designer, to... not a golfer. You know, I, I don't get paid to golf. I get paid to design. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. It was pretty funny. I was just trying to make everyone else feel more comfortable, you know? Yeah. Do you the think glue guy you're move. a glue guy? Yeah. Glue, glue, glue guy. guy move. Yeah. Glue guy. Do you think that if they played, uh, walk up music at the RGC meetups. Wow, that would give you more comfort. I just said that weird comfort, comfort, <laughs> comfort. I think it'd make it way worse. Oh, really? Because like I now I have so. to perform. Yeah. Oh, okay. It would be that situation all over again. Interesting. Do you have a a walk up song or a theme theme song theme music? It would probably be like some sort of mashup between the Chicago Bulls theme song. Just incredible hype, adrenaline, all yeah. of that. Yeah. And then maybe like a little uh, Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. Very good. Because that's Very just good. like, you know, my North Star in life is just happiness. And like, it doesn't get much more happy than that. I mean, it's. You can't listen. You can't not listen to that song and just be in a great mood. It is a so joyous I, song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think Very if you combine if you combined the adrenaline inducing Chicago Bulls theme song with that song, I think magic happens. That's just Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sour Patch Kids. Final question for me. I'm realizing that we never actually got an answer on the uh, Milwaukee golf team name and mm. or logo. Drew, I love your thoughts on this too. Yeah, Being it's a for Wisconsin both of you. fella. I think flannel would be involved Ooh. as like the color palette, maybe. Maybe a sauerkraut. <laughs> sauerkraut. <laughs> the, mas- the mascot's just a bowl of sauerkraut. Just, just <laughs> a blob of fermented cabbage. Cabbage, yeah. Well, it's officially 11 p.m. for you guys, and I feel like I want to let y'all be people and go to sleep or Tony get back to work. I mean, it's, it's your, it's your prime time. It's your time to thrive. This is 10 a.m. for Tony. (laughs) Oh, here you go. Ready? Mm. Oh, there they are. Mm -hmm. You should just get a vending machine in there. (laughs) Yeah. Anytime you see Sour Patch Kids on my desk, you know, some shit's going down. It's 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 go time. Yeah. Some heat is being made. It's like throwing the Crocs in sport mode. (laughs) exactly summer 2023 rgc is is popping right now Mm -hmm. tony thank you so much this was a lot of fun yeah thank you guys absolutely thank you tony yeah can't wait to have you back in wisconsin there's another side to good health and 
that's good mental health.